Yes, it is. What a debacle of the night for the Dallas Cowboys to start the season. It's over before it even really got underway. It's Canty and Carlin. He is here. Hello. Big fella, I'm back from the honeymoon, and we're jumping right into week one of the NFL season. It don't get no better than that, my man. Exactly. There is so, so much we have to cover over the next few hours. It is exciting. It is outstanding. Let's roll. It is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. We are presented by Progressive Insurance, and we begin with the Dallas Cowboys A night that just got worse by the minute. They were absolutely dominated throughout by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then they lose their quarterback for what looks like eight weeks minimum. Dak Prescott out for the foreseeable future. Yeah, it's very disappointing. Um, But injuries happen. Uh, Can't necessarily control it. Um, Just unfortunate. Obviously going to miss some time. Uh, Not be there for my team. Uh, and that's what hurts more than more than anything, uh, especially after the start that we just put out there. Um, wanting to be able to respond and not necessarily having that opportunity for several weeks. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate, but I'll do what I've always done. Anytime adversity comes, take on it, take it on head first, uh, and it'll get my best. And I'm sure I'll come out of this thing better. By that time, though, the season's over. And I hate to put it that way for the Cowboys, but it's pretty simple. I don't care what the schedule looks like. You don't have a viable option at quarterback. You don't have somebody that you can trade for to save your year. It's over at this point if they have to play with Cooper Rush. Yeah, I think the Dallas Cowboys are in some serious trouble. And here's the problem with exploring different pathways in order to get another quarterback. It's going to cost you, not just with your salary cap, but with your draft picks. And this is already a roster that has some depth issues. All you got to do is look at the skill position core and look at the offensive line. So they've got some really big problems, Carlin. And right now, based on the current roster, I don't know that they have a way to be able to overcome the deficiencies that they had, even with Dak Prescott as their quarterback. So the quarterback position aside... You're thin at offensive line. You had to move on from Lyle Collins as a cap casualty. You lost Connor McGovern last night. He's expected expected to miss some time. Tyron Smith is going to be out for the first half of the season. So all of a sudden now you're looking at your offensive line, and it's a shell of what it was when you started the season week one down in Tampa last year. Look at the skill position core. You traded away Amari Cooper as a part of a cap-saving move, and now you look at your weapons, and it seems like they're bereft of talent at the wide receiver spot. So again... Without Dak Prescott being a force multiplier for the next two months, how are the Cowboys going to overcome the deficiencies, even if they do find another option at quarterback? And you didn't even cover them all. There's also the defensive line that got shoved around like it was nothing by backup offensive linemen. Remember all the O-line problems that supposedly the Buccaneers had? Didn't really show up, even though Donovan Smith's out of the game. They are shoving you all over the place. I mean, this. listen. You're you're right about the defensive part of it, but here's the thing. You held the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to 19 points, all right? Listen, they kicked four field goals and scored one touchdown. Yeah, I mean, listen, here's the thing. They were able to move the ball in between the 20s, but once they got into the red zone, they did a good job of trying to to limit the damage. Well, you can run it down my throat as long as you don't let them run it up on the scoreboard. And that's exactly what the defense did. Now, I'm not saying that the defense should be proud of their effort, but the biggest problems facing the Dallas Cowboys are what they're doing on the offensive side of the ball. And guess what? It ain't all Dak Prescott because save one drive at the end of the game, Dak Prescott was under center for the Dallas Cowboys. 
So, I mean, here's the yeah. thing. He wasn't out of the game until the five and a half and they had three points in the Dak fourth Prescott. quarter, and it was already done. So they only had three points. So, yep. again, I come back to the biggest issues for the Dallas Cowboys being on the offensive side of the ball, and it's not all the quarterback as we saw last no. night. No, when the quarterback is throwing the ball off his back foot because he keeps backing up because everybody is right in his face, you're not giving the quarterback a chance. And he's not getting much help from the receivers either. I, honestly, the receiver that played the best last night was Noah Brown. Yeah. I mean, that was you if you're C D Lamb and you get targeted eleven times, you cannot walk away with two catches. You cannot walk away with two catches. And and that's absolutely brutal. Top to bottom, the Cowboys were getting buried last night. They, it, it, as far as not giving up as many points, you're right, but let's be fair. That game was not nearly as close as the score would indicate. No, Mike McCarthy got outcoached by Ty Bowles last night. Let's be clear about that. But I also think Ty Bowles had a much better roster. And so roster construction... Well, this roster's a disaster. Roster, roster construction is at the heart of the issues yep. facing the Dallas Cowboys. And then the fact that we're continuing to see them be undisciplined. You're talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers being able to have significant first downs as a result of penalties. The Dallas Cowboys have still got to clean up the penalties that they're, they have going on right now with this team. And, and so that continues to be an issue. You have to lay that at the feet of the head coach. But again, I come back to the offense being absolutely putrid. Carlin, they averaged 3.8 yards per play last night. For context, a good number in terms of yards per play is over six yards per play. Yeah. All right, league average in week one was five and a half. The Dallas Cowboys were at 3.8. There were only two teams in the National Football League that had worse yards per play averages in week one. And there were no teams that had fewer first downs than the Dallas Cowboys did last night. They had 12 first downs. <laughs> they had 12 first downs in a football game. That's absolutely ridiculous. That's so they, they've got to be better. And I think Stephen Jones is right for calling C.D. Lamb to the carpet because he's got to be a bigger part of of the solution to what they got going on in terms of the problems with that offense. Here he was earlier today on radio down in Dallas. Well, I think we've certainly got to step up and, and do better. And that's a, those, uh, the passing game goes hand in hand, the quarterback and the receivers. And uh, certainly, uh, you know, we've, we've got to be better there. I mean, CD's got to, uh, you know, he's got to improve and, and work his way into being the number one receiver. We think we can look top to bottom. That was a mess, and it spoke to the biggest issue of all. That roster has just gotten worse and worse and worse. And, and the Carlin, GM has to Carlin. be fired, no, no, except Carl- that it's not happening. You can't fire the GM because exactly. the GM is the owner. But here's the problem, Carlin. Like, we kept talking about penalties being an issue for this team going back to last year. They were the number one penalized team from a year ago. Last night they had 10 penalties, Carlin. This roster, they had this a game offense, in a preseason. I think where they had like a hundred yards and penalties. They had thirteen penalties. They had more penalties. <laughs> they, it was against the Denver Broncos. They had more penalties going into the fourth quarter of that game. More penalty yards going into the fourth quarter than total yards. And at that point, we were sounding the, the alarm based on what we had seen from the Cowboys last year, and that being a reason why they couldn't advance in the postseason. But Carlin, this roster is not as talented this year on offense, as they were last year. Not even close. And yet you're continuing the same mistakes, the same issues, which is being undisciplined, holding, false starts, all of those things. You you can't afford to do that if you're the Dallas Cowboys. A quarterback cannot be a force multiplier when he doesn't have time to throw the football, when he doesn't have a chance. And if you want to give somebody that amount of money, you obviously want him to make other players better, but I can't pin it on him. I can't pin it on him when he was in there last night. Because there just was no shot. They, they were making them look absolutely silly up front.
absolutely silly. And here's the part that I don't quite understand, Carlin. For an organization whose philosophy has been in the past decade building the team up front on the offensive side of the ball. They've done a horrible job. They've done a horrible job in terms of departing from that. I mean, Tyron Smith hasn't been healthy for a full season since 2015. You might want to keep Lyle Collins around if you can help it because having that guy there could help out now. It certainly could. Connor McGovern, we see what happened with him. You let Connor Williams walk away in free agency. He's now playing for the Miami Dolphins. How'd that offensive line look for Tua last last night? All I'm simply saying is this. The Cowboys had guys that could have helped make this situation more palatable in terms of getting the best out of Dak Prescott and the best out of the players you do have in your skill position core. And the organization made a decision not to retain a lot of those dudes. And now they're going to have to deal with the realities of that. And unfortunately for Cowboys fans, it's going to be a painful reality in 2022. It's Kentia Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus, presented by Progressive Insurance. Be a part of the Kentia and Carlin Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Hit us up at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. We've got more on the Cowboys throughout the course of the show. Let's turn our attention for a moment, though, to what happened in Cincinnati and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And (laughs) you might point to that game if you're a Steelers fan and say, well, everything that happened, we still found a way to win the game. That game's got to feel more like a loss. Now, Within the last half hour or so, Adam Schefter tweeted out that T.J. Watt has already gotten examined and is going for a second or third opinion on his potentially torn pectoral muscle, which I assume it's torn. If he needs uh, if he needs surgery, he is done for the year. When you hear that he is going for a second and third opinion, he's screwed. I mean, yeah. it's it's clear that it's obviously a tear. And you obviously need surgery on it. And as much as that is a problem for Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, this is similar for Pittsburgh because their offense is abysmal at times. It, it truly is. I mean, again, that offensive line, which they invested money in, is not doing very much. And when you take away the best defensive player outside of Aaron Donald in the game right yep. now, you should be. You should never be able to sustain your way through that, and it's going to be awfully difficult to see where they can. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I, I don't know how the Steelers overcome the T.J. Watt loss. Now, Alex Highsmith, he did a great job of being able to rush the passer. He had a couple of sacks yesterday. I think he, he gave them a little bit of that edge pressure, but T.J. Watt is the ultimate game wrecker. Yeah. I mean, you said it. Outside of... Aaron Donald, Miles Garrett, and maybe Michael Parsons, there aren't anybody, there's nobody else that you can put in that class of player in the NFL, especially in the front seven. And so when you lose a piece like that, it's going to have an impact on not only your defense, but the overall identity of your team, Carlin. And so, yeah, you might have won the game, and that Chris Boswell field goal to end it might feel great. But when you look at the big picture, I mean, losing TJ Watt for the entirety of the season, Carlin, or for the lion's share of the season, is ultimately going to cost you any chance you have of competing for an AFC North title. And I don't think that's hyperbole. I just think that's the reality of where the Pittsburgh Steelers are as an organization. Well, let's look at what they were yesterday, okay? You could be as happy as you want about the fact that they won. What it took for them to win when they turned them over five times, when they uh, had every opportunity in the world to win it three or four times, and they had to rely 
you know, on a on a on a long snapper getting hurt, basically. Yeah. With 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 what happened with a blocked extra point by Micah Fitzpatrick. Not Look, to mention a coaching gaffe by Zach Taylor well, you, you in overtime. You could to help not him. not letting the play clock wind down and punting the ball away with 13 seconds left, and that being the time that the Steelers needed to position themselves for the game-winning field goal. This is why you can't feel great about it. And and you might look at their schedule and say, well, maybe they can do some things here. Be careful, because that was a game where I think Joe Burrow, it really showed that he did not play in the preseason. And like, even with that being said, Carlin, without T. Higgins, still found a way to push that game still into had overtime. Every Here, first of all, that game shouldn't have went into overtime. No. They should have been able to kick the, the PAT, and that should have been the game winner in game set match. The Cincinnati Bengals get out. Of, doesn't get hurt. The it's Cincinnati not, Bengals get out of there with a five turnover game, five turnover game by their quarterback and winning their home opener. But I mean, you, the problems that the Pittsburgh Steelers have on offense—that's an issue too. Yeah. I mean, they had 64 total yards of offense in the second half of that game. In what world is that okay, Carlin? It's not. It, any. It's not. And so everybody is praising Mitch Trubisky for being able to use his legs in overtime to make that throw to Pat Fryer move to set them up for the game-winning field goal. That's about all Mitch Trubisky did in yesterday's game. That's it. Think about this, man. In a miraculous scored, catch for Johnson, and that was about it. I mean, think about it, man. Think about the points that your defense scored, the field position that your defense created, the extra possessions, and what did you have to show for it? 13 first downs, Carlin. They had one more first down on offense yesterday than the Dallas Cowboys. That's how bad that offense is. Yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing. Like, we can talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers and their issues on the defensive side of the ball with T.J. Watt and losing him. That's a huge part of the story. There's no question about it. That's, That's a huge loss if, in fact, he is going to be out for the entire season. But you also got a problem with your offense. That's also a big issue. And it's really the guy under center in Trubisky. We know they got receivers that can make plays. Line's bad too. Yeah, lines, the, the, lines are not very good. The line's not very good, and I and I'm not and I'm not I'm not dismissing that either. But Mitch Trubisky is not going to be well, a difference maker for this Pittsburgh Steelers offense, and they need a quarterback that can at least be the difference in a handful of plays that can help you win football games. There's gonna come, there's gonna come a time here in the next several weeks, probably in the next four to five weeks, where you'll look at it. Trubisky will play like he did yesterday. He'll do a couple of things here and there, but they're going to look at it and they say, we need more, we need a spark, and they're going to turn to Kenny Pickett. Yeah. That's that's going to happen. Yeah. But as far as them really, truly being able to contend, you find out very quickly, and we saw this a lot in the league yesterday, we can knock coaches in certain situations all we want. Mm-hmm. When you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance. Or, or when you don't have a, a big-time player in, in spots where you need them, you don't have a chance. And and ultimately, that's the difference between – like, I, I look at the Jets and Robert Sala. We don't even know if he's a good or a bad coach. We don't know what, what he has at quarterback. They haven't had a quarterback in a year and a half. No clue. And, and But I look at Brian Dable. We're calling him a genius after day one because his quarterback made one throw. You know, to me – and, and his running back went off. So he looks great, and he took a risk, and that, that's great. Yeah. There, my point is this. Like Mike Tomlin, we talk about how amazing he is and all that. Uh, Mike Tomlin, I guarantee you this, got home last night and said to himself, what the hell was that? Yeah. Honestly. We, we turn him over five times, and we barely get out of town. Yeah, yeah. Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers can't feel great about it, but I guess it's better than leaving the game with a loss or a yes. tie, the fact that you got to win in the division on the road. So 
That is something to be positive about. Also, we saw Mike Tomlin have a 500 record with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph as his quarterbacks. So, I mean, I, I, I How many times can you do that? No, you know? Well, here's the thing. We can say how many times can you do it, but in a decade plus of being a head guy, he's never been below 500. So and, I get, he, I he get, always had one guy who was I, his I, guy for the most part. I, get, I give Mike Tomlin the benefit of the doubt because he's shown as a coach he can take lesser talent and find ways to win football <laughs> games like he did up in Buffalo week one last year. Right. A game they had no business winning. They found a way to be able to get it done. So I've seen it time and time again with Mike Tomlin. But if we're talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers getting back into the postseason this year, you're probably talking about Kenny Pickett playing and starting more games than Mitch Trubisky. Because what I saw from Trubisky yesterday, it just ain't good enough. No. And that's not what you would expect from a veteran quarterback. He's got to find a way to be better. Listen, Jacoby Brissett didn't light it up down there in Carolina. But Jacoby Brissett played better than Mitch Trubisky did. Oh, yeah. And that's my point. Yep. Like, that's what we need to see. And, and I didn't see that yesterday. There was nothing that I saw where I would say, oh, man, Jacoby Brissett, that, 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 I mean, not, not Jacoby Brissett, but Mitch Trubisky, that's what the Pittsburgh Steelers need. There's nothing that I saw from that game where I would say, I feel good about their quarterback situation with Trubisky as the starter. It's and if I can't say that definitively, Carlin, then why not go with the young guy and let him get some on-the-job training knowing that he's going to be my franchise quarterback moving forward? It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. So we got to hear from you today. What is your biggest takeaway from your team in week one of the NFL? It is all there for you at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776 on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Now, one quarterback in the AFC North is betting on himself so far this season and uh the future mvp looked pretty darn good yesterday didn't he that's right that's all coming up right after canty tells you about this from disney plus disney plus is back in action with exciting new premieres like disney's pinocchio pixar's cars on the road marvel's store love and thunder star wars obi-wan kenobi a jedi's return national geographic's epic adventures of birdie gregory and a new short from The Simpsons, Welcome to the Club. Plus, new episodes and specials like Marvel's She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, and Dancing with the Stars, the pros' most memorable dances. And this month only, get one month of Disney Plus for just $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Offer available now until September 19th, then $7.99 a month. All these and more now streaming. You're listening to Kenny and Carlin, back in a few. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Part of the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.
Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. On first down and 10 from the 45, Lamar off the play fake, loads up, middle of the field's got a man, and it is caught, touchdown! Rashad Bateman, 55 yards from Lamar Jackson, and the Ravens make it look easy! You better have a pretty good idea what you're doing, and yeah, he does. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus, presented by Progressive Insurance. The man who was on the call was Steve Levy, yesterday on ESPN Radio of the Ravens and the Jets. Joins us right now, he is Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider. So, Mike, we got the news Friday that Lamar Jackson did not come to an agreement with the Ravens, and he certainly showed out quite a bit yesterday. What was your take on his decision and what we've seen already here? Yeah, great to be with you guys. And, um, you know, I give a lot of credit to Lamar to turn down that type of contract. Whatever the amount was that was reported, it was a lot of money. And um, I thought he played great. And I thought he was poised in the pocket. I thought their passing game actually got better during the game. We just show a couple plays on uh, this just in where there was an incompletion early in the game where I felt like there was a little bit of a miscommunication between Rashad Bateman, the Raven receiver, and Lamar, and then came back later in the game, and they ran play action. They kind of rolled them out a little bit, and Lamar Jackson threw literally a perfect pass. Must have been at least 60 yards in the air. And just looking at Lamar's development, I think he looks better than he ever has. And if he stays healthy, look out. This team is going to be really hard to beat. Mike T, that's the good from quarterback play yesterday, but we also got to talk about the bad in prime time. The Dallas Cowboys against the Bucks. Dak Prescott, to add injury on top of insult, he did not play very well in that game, and, and he got knocked out late in that fourth quarter, but, but it's certainly a, enough poor play on that offense to be cause for concern. Where, where did the Dak, Dallas Cowboys go to solve their offensive woes now that we know that Prescott's going to be out for the next couple of months? Yeah, uh, the 2023 NFL draft and draft a whole bunch of offensive linemen. I think their big mistake was letting Lyle Collins go. There'll be a lot about, you know, Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson or Connor Williams. But to me, you know, they're, they should have known that Tyron Smith could gotten hurt. And let's give them credit for drafting Tyler Smith. But it's really hard, guys, to win when you just can't control the line of scrimmage. And, you know, we talked about a lot in the offseason. You know, I have Todd Bowles as my coach of the year heading into the year I thought this Buck defense if they could stay healthy was somewhat underrated and boy they look great last night Mike Mike just to follow up on that are you saying that the Dallas Cowboys season is essentially over right now I would say this I would go out and I would sign a free agent if I was the Cowboys I would not give up another draft choice because I think for them they're on the outside looking in and maybe they could steal a game or two here with Cooper Rush but yeah, Chris, I, I think this the, it's a really tough road for them to hoe right now. And I wouldn't give up a second or a third round pick for someone like Jimmy G or Tyler Huntley because I think right now it's just really hard for them to control the line of scrimmage. 
All right, so the headline there is Tannenbaum to Cowboys, get it in the tank now. Got it. <laughs> and, and frankly, that's exactly what I would do if I were the Cowboys. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on ESPN Plus with Mike Tannenbaum, our ESPN NFL front office insider. Mike, how did Tom Brady look to you last night? Good. I thought, you know, that he's someone that's just going to get better and better as the year goes on. Um, you know, they have a bunch of new receivers, probably most notably Julio Jones, who I thought also looked good. Um, I thought the offensive line looked better than expected, especially with all their injuries. And, you know, I think, look, Godwin got hurt again, but he'll be back. I still think Gronk's in the mix for them. So I think this is an offense that was good enough and will get better. And, again, I think this defense is really good. And this is subtle, guys, but I've worked with a number of defensive-minded head coaches in my career, and I think they call the game slightly different. I think we saw that last night, and Leonard Fournette's going to have a big say on this team when it's all said and done, and I think ultimately this will be a really hard team to beat. Talking with ESPN NFL front office insider Mike Tannenbaum on Canny and Carlin. And Mike T, we've been on opposite sides of the spectrum when it comes to the Trey Lance debate and what the 49ers should do at the quarterback position. It didn't look great for Trey Lance yesterday, and that's an understatement. His play was as bad as the weather out in Chicago was an absolute monsoon. And so my question to you is, how do you handle the Trey Lance situation moving forward? It's clear that there are reports out there that the brass from San Francisco has asked veteran leadership to back Trey Lance as they're going through the growing pains with the young quarterback. Exactly how do you manage the quarterback situation, knowing that the volume around putting Jimmy Garoppolo back in as the starting quarterback is only going to get louder with Trey Lance continuing to struggle. Yeah, Chris, I think you just nailed it, which is, you know, as a former player, you know this, which is the checks and balances, uh, you know, ultimately are your locker room. And they have a lot of great, great leaders in that locker room, a lot of great players. And if Trent Williams and George Kittle and Debo Samuel all come to you and say, hey, we can win right now, it's hard, it's hard to say that not to put Jimmy G back in there. And I think there's two aspects of Trey Lance. One is his talent and future is undeniable, but so is in his, his inexperience. Now, look, yesterday was a monsoon, as you mentioned, Chris, but there's going to be growing pains here. And I think at some point, you know, it's not going to be what the media says or the fans, but Kyle Shanahan's going to have to look some veterans in the eye and say, hey, we're still better off playing Trey Lance. And that, to me, is where the rubber could meet the road here. And, and Mike T., that may well be the case, but how do you weigh that with the situation with both players? Because you invested three first-round draft picks in Trey Lance, and Jimmy Garoppolo is in a contract year, and he's going to be able to walk away unencumbered as a free agent based on the restructure they did a couple of weeks ago. So how do you weigh the here and now versus the future of the franchise with this quarterback debate on who's going to start in San Francisco? Yeah, I think that's easy. You you play the best player right now. And again, to me, that's clearly Jimmy Garoppolo. You still develop Trey Lance for the future. I think you can do both things. Mike, appreciate it. Great stuff. Thanks very much. All right, guys. Thank you. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider. On that front, thought it was very, very interesting yesterday. Jay Glazer had a nugget before the game that on the Garoppolo issue that both John Lynch and Mike Shanahan uh, Kyle Shanahan, went around to that locker room, mm-hmm. to 14, 15 different guys, and say, hey, we need you to have Trey's back when things go bad, knowing full well that there are guys in that locker room who would probably right now rather have Jimmy Garoppolo starting for them. 
Yeah, there's no question about that, but we also know the ceiling of Jimmy Garoppolo already, and what the organization decided a couple of years ago was that's not good enough. They saw what Jimmy Garoppolo did in the Super Bowl and choking away that game, not being able to hit that throw to Emmanuel Sanders. We've seen that Jimmy Garoppolo over the past three years, I think he ranks 24th in air yards per attempt. So he's not a guy that's going to push the ball down the field, and he's not a guy... But who's going to give you a better chance to win right now? Well, well, here's the thing, Carlin. I mean, winning to do what? Winning to just get into the playoffs? Winning period, not winning to not throw away a season. No, no, but here's the thing, though. It, It comes a question of the organization trying to get over the hump and get to a Super Bowl. And right now, I'm not sure that there's still a belief in that San Francisco front office that Trey Lance doesn't represent the best opportunity, even if that's not right now. The problem there is... It may be for the long term, Chris, but I have been on this and I'm not going away from it. The guy's not played enough football to, and I know he's got to play at some point. That's my point. (laughs) But but, but my issue here is like the leash to me on where Trey Lance is ends after about five or six weeks. Because if you look at the first games, first six games of the 49ers schedule, it's workable. Yep. And if you're not at least, and now you've already lost one that would have been in the win column. Yeah. Okay. Now, granted, bad weather, all that too, big yep. factor. But huge factor. But if you're not four and two coming out of these six, and and Lance is not playing great, look at week seven on all the way through like mid December. It is a six seven game stretch that includes. It starts with the Chiefs and it gets uglier by the week, where. I don't know if I can look at my team and say we need to keep playing this guy when I've got as many veterans as I do and a chance to win. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the next five games, you got a chance to win three of those, right? I'm not pulling him today. Don't no, get me no, wrong. No, no, no. You can't pull him today, Carlin. And here's the other thing, right? Trey Lance talked about it before the game in an interview um, with the production staff, and he said, I've played in more snow games than I have rain games. Mm-hmm. It was an absolute monsoon. All you got to do is go to Courtney Cronin's Instagram. She covers the Bears for ESPN, and she showed you how much water was on the actual field. So I can't look at yesterday's performance and and view that as an indictment on what Trey Lance is going to be. We need a larger sample size, and we understand with young quarterbacks there are going to be some growing pains. All I'm simply saying is it's within the organization's best interest because of what they invested in Trey Lance to ride this out with him versus going with the guy that you know and the guy that you decided a couple of years ago wasn't good enough. There's one team yesterday that we haven't talked about that it may be over four. We're going to tell you who that is in just moments. It's Canty and Carlin, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 
Well, it got off to a pretty darn good start, that's for sure. <laughs> that's an understatement. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus. Justin Herbert yesterday did exactly what we expected. Now, the secondary of the Raiders is not going to be very good, but at the same time, this is what he is. He's a phenomenal player, and he's going to be right in that discussion to win MVP at the end of the year. And they weren't even close to their best yesterday. Not even close. I, I think that's a team that as we get later in the year is going to be scoring 35 points a game. Yeah, and based on some of the decisions that their head coach makes, they're going to have to, right? Yeah. I mean, Brandon Staley was at it again in the first half. He has a situation third and one. They get stopped. He decides, oh, yeah, I'm going to go for it and try to goose it on fourth down with my quarterback. Gets nowhere close to the yard to gain. So uh, it's just the coaching concerns me with the Chargers, but Justin Herbert does not. That guy is special, and if you don't believe me, all you got to do is go back and look at the throw he made right before halftime to DeAndre Carter. You want to talk about threatening a needle, Carlin? There's only a handful of quarterbacks that can make that kind of throw, and it feels like every single game, Justin Herbert is making those types of plays. So I love where the Chargers are at and where Justin Herbert is at, but the reason I'm excited about what their potential is is what we saw on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, And seeing what Khalil Mack is bringing to the party – I mean, he's a guy that I thought might have been a tad overrated based on what we've seen from him in the last couple of years in Chicago or what we didn't see. He was the closer yesterday's game for him. I mean, he was able to close out that game with getting a sack on Derek Carr, and that's exactly why they brought him over to be that bookend rusher for Joey Bosa. The secondary has made strides. I mean, Asante Samuel had a turnover. Tranquil had a pick. I mean, it seems like they, they've got guys that can make plays on all three levels on defense. And that was the area where they needed to make the biggest improvement this offseason. Seems like they've gotten the job done. Well, the other thing they needed to do was to be able to stop the run. They only gave up 64 yards rushing yesterday. That was, you know, Austin Johnson, Sebastian Joseph Day, those guys. And I, I just, I look at the Chargers, and when it comes to the head coach, Chris, I'm getting a bad feeling that he is almost trying to prove a point sometimes now. Mm. Ever since, especially at the end of the year, when he got hammered for what happened in that Raiders game at the end of last year, that he's going to go out of his way at times to roll the dice. And if this is a situation where we're trying to prove to everybody that we were right, be careful. I mean, be careful. Don't, Don't get caught up in that stuff. You are not the analytics genius. Play it the right way. I can't hear this without picturing Ed Lover Dance Wednesdays. Come on. Come on. <laughs> I did not expect you to have the Ed Lover reference oh, called on. Monday after week one. I love it, big fella. Oh, I'm I all about it. it. I'm all about it, man. How can I not love Ed Lover? I'm from the Bronx. I know. Come on, man. I know. I thought it was Wednesday for a sec. 888-ESPN. <laughs> 888-729-3776-888-SAY-ESPN, I should say. Canty and Carlin, your biggest takeaway from your team in week one. Here's week one, here's the thing, Carlin. Believe half of what you believe none of what you hear and half of what you see. That's funny because I go down that list, and, and you said that this morning on our production call. Yeah. And... I went down that list, and when it comes to believe half of what you see, that's a that's right about exactly like where I am. Yes. Some of it I believe, some of it I know better. Carlin, it's like baseball season, right? Like everybody gets excited about what they see from their team in April, and we know that April is not really who these teams are going to end up being. And if you don't believe me, all you got to do is ask a Yankees fan because <laughs> we thought we were going to win the World Series in the first couple of months of the season. And right now, I, I'm not sure if we're going to win our division. So here's the, here's the deal, man. The reality is that 
you look for themes, you look for common threads, you look for teams to be able to establish identities that are sustainable based on the personnel that they have. And with some teams, they check that box in week one. I think the Buffalo Bills fall under that category. They check the box. The Minnesota Vikings fall under that category. They check the box. There are other teams out there, still not sold on, still not 100% behind, but we have plenty of show and plenty of runway to get into it. It is Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. Time right now, though, for a little bit of, uh, they said what? They said what? what? I have to believe one and one is three. I, I can't, I can't uh, operate where one and one is two. They said what? <laughs> his head just goes in his hand. I, wow. I bet you didn't hear that one when you were over wow. in the bush last week on <laughs> wow. honeymoon. No, I did not hear that one. I mean, that's. That's Hall of Shame worthy. I mean, that's that's right up there with the George Bush. And you we know, cut fool, that short. Fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> fool me twice, not going to fool me again. <laughs> that's right there. That's a good one. And that, my friend, was merely about five seconds of a 30-second just offshoot, offshoot tangent that nobody knew what he was talking that's about. That's a gem. That's a gem. But Love a gem it. yesterday from Tyreek Hill. And this was for Mike McDaniel who, uh, toward the end of the second quarter, decided to go for it on a fourth down uh, at the Patriots' 42-yard line with 18 seconds left. And what did he do? He got uh, Tua Tungavailoa connected with Hill for a 42-yard touchdown. And it was a tremendous play. And, of course, that says to everybody else, Mike McDaniel has guts, including Tyreek Hill. McDaniels, he's going to need a wheelbarrow, man, for his we're gonna need to keep that well at least he's using a local lingo he's down in miami <laughs> so it makes sense <laughs> but but i'll say this chris as much as that was a great win for the miami dolphins yeah that's one of those situations where you say we were what we were just talking about believe half of what you see i don't believe it yet because, no, I don't either. And when I'm talking about, especially talking about the head coach, too. You know what? When head coaches who are brand new to an organization go out in week one and roll the dice in a situation and they come up right, fans are going to love them. They yeah. actually buy themselves a little bit of goodwill there moving into the coming weeks when that happens. I think that also happened with the Giants yesterday, too. No doubt about it, but here's where this Dolphin situation is a little bit different. It's not really rolling the dice, Carlin. You got a double-digit lead yeah. at home in the heat, which clearly affected the New England Patriots. And I think it was a psychological thing as well as a physical thing because they went down there to practice the entire week in Miami. And guess what? They still weren't ready for the the conditions and the weather. They're still not ready for the heat. So I think that was a part of it. But also, you're talking about 18 seconds left in the game, Carlin? In a half. half. 18 seconds left in a half. The ball on the plus 42-yard line and the New England Patriots being out of timeout. So even if you don't convert in that situation, the Patriots are going to be hard-pressed to move into field goal position to get any points out of it. So... I don't look at it as this huge gamble, and it's certainly not up there at the same level that we saw Brian Dable at the end when he decided to go for two against the Titans and go for the win rather than tie it up with the PAT. So I think we need to pump the brakes on Mike McDaniel. It was good for them to get a win. It was good for Tua to build some confidence with the fastest skill, fastest receiving core in the National Football League. Um, but but I don't know that I'm buying the Miami Dolphins just because I don't know that I can believe in the quarterback all the way. The defense? 
The defense is legit. We give yeah. them credit for that. But there's still questions around what this offense is going to be and what this quarterback is going to be. I may have said Hill. I meant uh, I meant uh, Jalen Waddle had the touchdown. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, like, it's still right now a little bit of a novelty with me with Mike McDaniel. So I'm not going to get nuts yet. 